0: You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. Let's make our confession of faith together. I am unconditionally loved by god and at harvest i come to him just as i am but i won't stay as i am because the message i'm prepared to receive will make me more like the great i am i am blessed and i am favored in jesus name remain standing go to numbers chapter 14 verse number 18 numbers 14 verse number 18 numbers 14 verse number 18 don't ever think god didn't play the numbers Uh, some of y'all got confused Uh, Numbers is uh, given the title that it has because of the various census that were conducted during the time of Numbers Numbers is an interesting book because Numbers chronicles a lot of the children of Israel's unnecessary rebellion which created unnecessary poor experiences Uh, today we're going to get into some things that are going to challenge what you think you know but they're going to take you where you want to go. Numbers 14, 18, the Lord is long-suffering. That means he's patient and he's abundant in mercy. Mercy is when he doesn't allow the bad that should happen to you to happen to you. Now, I think there's about 50, let me y'all, something like that, that are glad that he's a God that has mercy. If you've never done anything wrong, this don't mean nothing to you. But if you made a ton of mistakes like I have, you're glad that the wrong that he should. You should be dead. You should be in a hospital bed. You should be a news story on the you, you should be a lifetime episode. But he did have mercy. touch your neighbor, say, Mercy, mercy, he had for me. Yes, he did. Uh Watch this now. But he by no means clears the guilty. Now watch this. This is the paradoxical almost because it just says, well, he's merciful and he's got patience. But look what he says. He says, but I'm not going to clear the consequences of your actions. That's what that phrase means. He says, instead, it's going to visit, which that word visit means pastor, the iniquity, which is generational sin of the fathers on the children to the what? Third and fourth generation. Now, I've taught you this before, Harvest. Third and fourth generation aren't necessarily chronological because if you think just like the generation before you, biblically speaking, that's one generation. Which means your neighbor isn't 22, 32, 42, 52. Your neighbor's dealing with uh, anywhere between 150 and 400 years of bloodline history. Got it? Now, 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 look at his neighbor and say, You old? Tell him you old. watch this which explains why for some of y'all you complain about how difficult it is to change it's because you're not just changing you you're changing hundreds of years of history but you've never had the road map to do it until today i need some faith to rise up in this room just your neighbor say change ain't gonna be hard after today it ain't gonna be hard Father I decrease that you might entry Speak to us now that we will move and walk that you And what you have ordained I declare I'm speaking and I'm preaching to curse breakers I'm speaking and I'm preaching to history makers I'm speaking and I'm preaching to people That are going to do things that their bloodline Never even thought was possible Because now is the time for the saints of the most high God To rise up and possess the kingdom Heaven's attributes on earth The kingdom is who you said we are And what you said we can have And we declare that it is so in Jesus name Somebody shout hallelujah as you take your seats i have two or three people and say let's face our familiar spirits let's face you can be seated Uh, in this life giving series regardless of your family structure the bible is full of timeless principles that when you learn them and apply them you will move your family from chaos to cosmos so from chaos to cosmos Now, the first principle that we've learned is facing familiar spirits. I want to do a little review, and then I'm going to move us uh, into the new material today. Uh, A familiar spirit is the gas that fuels generational curses. And Numbers 14, 18 teaches us that the sins of the fathers, which is past generations of your bloodline, so it's not just limited to fathers, it's fathers, mothers, cousins, uncles, aunties, anybody that has come before you, that it visits down to the third and fourth generations and produces what are called generational curses. Say generational curses. Uh, Now, generational curses simply put a destructive pattern of behavior passed down from one generation to the next. Here's what happens. It didn't work for one generation, but it's all they knew. So they did it and it was passed down to another generation. And the problem is by the time the previous generation figured out it didn't work, they'd already taught it to the subsequent generation but the other issue is that it's transferred through the blood which is why if you've ever read the book Sin of the Fathers you read that opening story which uh, details how generational curse works you don't have to have met the people whose curses you're perpetuating Now, the word visits in numbers is the Hebrew word pakad, which is the same Hebrew word often used for pastors. So your generational curses desire to pastor you so that you perpetuate the curses, which is the reason some people come to church, but they don't change because their generational curses are their pastors, not me. But think of this very practically for what a pastor does. A pastor teaches you, a pastor guides you, a pastor consoles you, a pastor counsels you. That's the same thing your generational curse attempts to do. Wait a minute, you missed it. It wants to teach you. The problem is a curse is an empowerment to fail, which means watch this. Your empowerment to fail is what teaches you, which is why some folk will say, why can't I ever succeed at anything except not succeeding? It's because you're being pastored by a curse. All right. It means it guides you to console you, to counsel you. Think of this. Let's just make it practical for a moment. A generational curse's goal is to console you when you're suffering. So when you feel like you, uh, you, you had a bad day, anybody have a bad day, when you feel like something went wrong, guess who comes up to put their arm around you and start speaking sweet nothings into your ear? It is now your generational curse, which is why in those moments you'll start making stupid decisions. Then you'll say, why in the heaven did I make that decision? It's because your pastor came and had a conversation with you. But I'm here to tell you, you find your generational curses because Harvest, you got a pastor. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. I said, you got a pastor. Touch your neighbor and say, fire your curses. Fire your curses. Oh, no, and I'm stingy, too. No, I'm stingy. I'm going to be the onlyest one. Now, now, now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Generational curses, we've learned, are fueled by familiar spirits. A familiar spirit, watch this. Let me just give uh, give you this. Now, I got a lot of props today. I got a bag of tricks. Now, watch this, watch this. A generational curse... Fuel, uh, it's fueled by a familiar spirit. Now, this is a lighter. Say lighter. Light. Now, this is just in case y'all trying to say, well, where they get that lighter from? It's used to, you know, for your uh, fireplace. You know, fireplace. In okay, case so you can do a candle too. All right, watch this. Now, now watch this. Uh, there, there's, there's a flammable liquid in here. Say flammable. flammable. That flammable liquid is what gives the fuel to the fire if there is no flammable liquid you ever went in there and started to use the lighter lighter but you had about like this much left and you went to try to light it but it wouldn't light if you'll face the familiar spirits when your generational curses try to pop up they won't be able to because there's no fuel for them you're not hearing what i'm saying which means if i'll deal with the familiar spirit i'll never have to fight the curse You're not hearing what I'm saying. If I take out the flammable liquid, the curse will never work. Just your neighbor say, we're going to get rid of that liquid today. Now, watch this. They're fueled by familiar spirits. Generational curses are fueled by familiar spirits. And a familiar spirit is a pattern of behavior and subconscious mindset common to people within a certain family or region. Now, please understand, I told you this in part one. You are a spirit. Got it? Say, I'm a spirit. You live in a body. Say, I live in a body. All right. And you have a soul. Say, I have a soul. soul. You are not your soul. You possess a soul. Got it. Now, spirit in your body is your subconscious mind. It is the you that you are without thinking about it. Got it. You don't think about blinking your eyes, but look, tons of y'all just did it. That's the you. That's your subconscious mind that controls that. Got it. Uh, Some of you don't think about some of your facial expressions. You just look stank all the time. Sometimes you intentionally stink up your face, but sometimes you don 't even think about it, right? Uh, now why, bishop? Uh, it's because that's your subconscious mind. That's the you that you are. It is the sum total of all of your habits. it is the sum total total of all of your beliefs that now are demonstrated through your everyday actions without you even thinking about it. It's autopilot. So you are a spirit, that's your subconscious mind, and you have a soul which is your conscious mind, thoughts, will and emotions, and you live in a physical body. Did you understand that? Now, when we talk about a familiar spirit, I don't want you to think of spirits in terms of some external force. It's a spirit in terms of a subconscious mindset. Because a lot of people, you maybe heard this concept and you thought of familiar spirits as witches and warlocks and ghouls and ghosts and goblins and cauldrons. That ain't, listen, that's Halloween. That sells. Some of the biggest cauldron is what your grandmama had when she was sitting up gossiping, cooking. That wasn't no pressure cooker. That was a cauldron. She was making potions called speaking negativity. And you started believing that negativity that she spoke. All right, but back to the teaching. Watch this. When you face the familiar spirit, you'll break the generational curse because it won't have any more fuel. Now, mindsets determine your habits and your choices. And your habits and choices decide your future. So if you don't face familiar spirits, your future will only be a repeat of your past. I'm going to say it again. Mindsets determine your habits, what you do repeatedly, and your choices, what you choose to do. Can I tell you, there's only two things true about people. The first is that they do what they want, and the second is that they do what they want. Stop letting people tell you, well, you know, it didn't work out because of it. No, you didn't do it because you didn't want to. You didn't come to church because you didn't want to. You sure make it to work every day. Y'all not saying nothing to me. You don't tithe because you don't want to. Stop blaming it. No, you got enough money. If you put in first, you wouldn't even be able to figure out that you didn't have enough. You done because you didn't want to. Now just own that reality. It's quiet here. Now, watch this, watch this. Your habits, what you do repeatedly, and your choices, what you want to do. And your habits and your choices decide your future. So if you don't face familiar spirits, your future will only be a repeat of your past. Listen to me. Your habits and choices are the only things that are going to decide your future. Because if the Lord wants it to happen, it's going to happen. That's nowhere in that Bible. That's extra textual. Meaning it doesn't exist in the text. The Bible is a book of habits and choices, not a book of destiny and providence. You missed what I just said there. Well, if the Lord wants it to happen, how many people you ever believed that? You ever thought that if the Lord wants it to happen, he's going to, and if the Lord don't want it to happen, he's going to stop it. That's nowhere in this book. Now there are specific occasions sometimes where the Lord will pull executive rank, but it was very rare. It was only for very specific scenarios in which he did. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, now, 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 when we look at this, watch this, watch this. Uh, Familiar spirits, we learned last week, are transferred to you through an ascendant, that's who's before you, or an association, that's who you're around. Say an ascendant. Or an association. Please understand, look around you, that's who you're becoming. Now, that's either great news to somebody sitting out in the overflow, that's either great news Or you just got some awful, horrible news. Now, 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 watch this. Last week we looked at a great illustration of a familiar spirit fueling a generational curse in King David. Somebody say King David. Now, who is in Rahab's bloodline? Rahab from Joshua uh, chapter two. She was a harlot. Got it? Please understand. Uh, she was promiscuous. She got around. She's around the white girl. She had bamboo earrings. At least two pair. <laughs> watch this, and we can also safely presume that she made bad relationship decisions consider her occupation, it'd probably be pretty difficult to maintain a relationship when you got several relationships or clients now, for you get your your little pompous Christian look saying I ain't never done that, right, you didn't get paid I'm just saying don't judge nobody, touch your neighbor and say don't judge nobody the only difference you are from somebody you're judging is what you've been through. Touch your neighbor say, Don't judge nobody. Handle your business first. All right, because I can know some Christians here that tell them, Bishop, no, whoa, 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 don't get judgmental. Don't, 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 don't look down on nobody. Don't beat nobody up. Touch your neighbor and say, Where about you? Where about you? I right, just got to make sure because sometimes Christian people like to get a little arrogant. I've never done that. Just say, hey, we're about you. All right. All right. Now, watch this. Now, (laughs) Now, both of which, bad relationship decisions and promiscuity, are found as generational curses in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now, we see both promiscuity and bad relationship decision appear as curses in King David and his son, King Solomon's life. King Solomon had 700 wives, 300 concubines, girlfriends. Got it? Side pieces on payroll. Yeah. Say amen to that. Yeah. That just means I agree, and it's true. That's what he had. Now, watch this. Now, check this out. Despite all of his relationships, he had a thousand. Here's my question Why wasn't he still happy? See, for all you single folk talking about, if I just get somebody, I'm going to be happy. No, you won't. No, you won't. If you can't love you, you ain't going to be able to love them. The scripture says love your neighbor as yourself, which means I can't give nobody else what I don't give myself first. So before you try to love everybody else, you better learn how to love you. If I have a baby, I'm going to be happy. No, you ain't. Stop punishing children because of your issues. Bringing them in the world and not taking care of them because you said mama got to have a life too. Well mama should have thought about having a life before mama lay down. Mm. Thousand women y'all and he still wasn't happy. A thousand women and he was still shopping. Oh God if I had time I'd stay there and work there like a part time job. He had 1,000 women, and he still was over there. When he, went to, when he went to Egypt, he was like, Pharaoh, what's up with your daughter? <laughs> it's quiet here. I said, it's quiet here. <laughs> now, check this out. Because there was a familiar spirit that was fueling the generational curse of promiscuity and bad relationship decisions. Now, what was the curse? There were two. Promiscuity, bad relationship decisions. I'm going to show you those in Deuteronomy 28 in just a moment. That he never faced. Got it? Now, those are the curses, but what was the familiar spirit that fueled them? Rejection and abandonment. Bishop, how do you know that? David wasn't his daddy, Jesse's choice for king. I talked to that last week. Got it? Samuel comes to anoint a new king to replace King Saul because King Saul didn't know how to do what he was told. So God said, I'm not going to tolerate that. I told you to stand over here. That's what I meant to do. So since you can't stand over here, I get somebody else that can stand over here. I said, fold it like that. You can't fold it like that. That's fine. I get somebody else that can fold it like that. So what happened is, what happened is, is God says, fine. Okay, Saul, listen, I told you what to do. You didn't do it. So um, Saul, this ain't going to work out. So I'm going to get a new king. So uh, Samuel, the man of God, the prophet goes. He goes to Jesse's house. The Lord says, my king is amongst Jesse's sons. So he goes to Jesse's house. Somebody say, Jesse. He wants to, isn't there a song about Hey Jesse or something? He goes to Jesse's house. He goes, okay, he goes to Jesse's house. I don't know about the song. Okay, watch it. He goes to Jesse's house, and then Jesse brings uh, seven of his sons. Say seven sons. Seven sons. And they look like kings. I mean, they walk in looking like kings. One of them walked in with a Rottweiler. <laughs> Had a Thunderbird in the front lawn. <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, well, you know, they walked in looking like kings. They looked kingly, you know, you know, they were kingly. They started talking, you know, proper and all, you know, they looked like kings. And Samuel said, here's what happened. The man of God would hold up the horn, uh, the horn of oil, the ram's horn that was full of oil. And the Hebrew Midrash was such that if the anointing, if that person was chosen, the oil would flow. The Midrash says that if that person wasn't chosen, that the oil would stop. That it wouldn't flow. That was the midrash. Midrash is when the rabbis would come and discuss what is in the text that's not in the text that is important to understand the text. So the man of God holds the oil up. It doesn't flow off of seven of them. And then Samuel says, Jesse, somebody must be missing because I know I'm one of these guys, the guy. Is there another? Jesse's like, well, Dave is out there, but don't nobody want David. David out there, he's too young, and he's a shepherd, and he's stank right now. And, you know, he's going to be something one day, but today ain't today. Samuel said, well, let me at least look at the boy. Bring him here. I know I heard the Lord. And then as soon as David walks in, the Hebrew Midrash says that the ram's horn started shaking because David had stepped into the room and although his daddy didn't want him, his God did. I don't want a priest or somebody. People may have rejected you. People may have dropped you and people may not want you, but your God, just your neighbor say, he does want you. The Midrash says that the horn of oil had started shaking and it started shaking because the reason the oil was there got in the room and the reason was named David. And then samuel holds it up and the scripture says that the oil started to flow first samuel 16 13 then samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him watch where he did it in the midst of his family in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the lord came on uh, that day from david uh ford so samuel rose and went to vermont now check this out his daddy didn't want him so the only validation he had was from the man of god and god himself He made it to the throne off of that. Which means some of y'all need to stop mourning over who don't want you and start celebrating the fact that you got a God and you got a man of God. You're not hearing what I'm saying. That got him to the throne. Watch. But now here's the deal. He's dealing with rejection and abandonment because while he's excited about the fact he's been anointed, imagine how he felt knowing that his daddy didn't really think he was the right guy. Didn't really want him. Like these other guys, present them. <laughs> Take one of them. Take one of them. Take one. And if you, look, if you read First Samuel, if you read the book, it's interesting because you see the family dynamic between them because the brothers and David, they fought all the time. They, they used to tell David, David, you just think you're all that. David, you just think you're all that. And the issue was because they were mad that he got an oil they didn't have. Yeah. The oil is synonymous with the anointing, which is synonymous with grace, which is synonymous with favor, which is synonymous with super being added to natural. There's some folk that don't like you, not because of you, but because there's an oil on you. They don't understand how after all the wrong you've done, God still loves you. After all the mistakes you've made, he still loves you. You know why? There's an oil that's on your life and your favor. and ain't nothing they can do about it. But watch this. David wasn't Jesse's choice. Solomon wasn't David's choice. If you read the narrative of how Solomon becomes king, it's clear that for several reasons. One, because Solomon wasn't next in line, uh, but there's several reasons. But 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 the reality is that Solomon had to live with the fact of knowing that his father didn't actually want him to be king. Say rejection, abandonment. Now watch this. If we keep checking the bloodline, we see the familiar spirit of rejection and abandonment appear. And the generational curses that they fueled were promiscuity and bad relationship decisions. Now, do you see the imagery of this? Do you see how this works? The issue wasn't promiscuity and bad relationship decisions. The issue was that they were fueled by rejection and abandonment. So the bad relationship decisions and the promiscuity were designed to cover up the rejection and the abandonment. Are you catching this? If you ever see people who chronically make bad decisions, it's because there's a familiar spirit in the background that's driving the bad decisions. It's kind of like you ever had a program working on the back of your computer that slowed the whole computer down? It's the same principle. A familiar spirit sitting in the background controlling your every decision and controlling your habits. And you're saying, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I so slow? Why is this working? Why is this working? It's because there's something in the background that's fueling the curse. But today. I said, but today. Now, I want to say it again. Familiar spirits fuel generational curses. And Deuteronomy 28 gives us a list of curses that exist. And I encourage you to get the book Sins of the Fathers and the message, uh, corresponding message series to learn more about them in detail uh, only if you want to be the curse breaker. If you don't want to be the curse breaker, walk right out of here like you didn't hear what I just said. But if you want to be the curse breaker, get the series Sins of the Fathers and get the book Sins of the Fathers to go in more detail. But let me give you the abbreviated version of Deuteronomy 28. Say generational curses. Now, so we're clear a curse is an empowerment to fail. Understand what it is to be empowered to fail. It doesn't matter what you do to make it work. It is empowered to eventually fail. It may look like it's working for a little bit. But if there's a curse present, it is empowered to fail. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, let me just give you the abbreviation from Deuteronomy 12. I'm going to go real fast. You have to get to the compact disc. Now watch this. Slavery and constant lack. Emotional breakdown. Chronic confusion. Chronic fear. Witchcraft. That's manipulation through domination and intimidation. Depression. Horoscope consultation. I felt that one come right on my side, right here. How you believe in Jesus and believe that he's king of kings, lets you check in with the stars. That's a curse in case you didn't know it. it, it it's a curse. Uh, repeated and chronic sickness prolonged sickness, unexplained sickness, never succeeding in anything except not succeeding, life stagnation and sexual diseases, reproductive issues, instability, low self-esteem, suicidal thoughts, drug abuse, chronic family problems and chronic family dysfunction, financial insolvency, being accident-prone, unnatural death, repeated bad decisions, being busy but unproductive, self-destructive children, being taken advantage of, and my two favorites, weak and passive men and overbearing women. Those are generational curses. Now, that's the abbreviated version. You got to get the series. Now, 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 say, I'm a curse breaker. breaker. All right. So now what's the simplest way to break the curse? Get rid of its fuel. What's its fuel? Familiar spirits. Now do you understand the practicality to say, "I'm I'm a curse breaker. What's the simplest and quickest way to break the curse? Get rid of its fuel. What's its fuel? Familiar spirits. So that means if we face the familiar spirit, we can now break the curse. Are there a few of y'all that that are with me? Now, let's take it another further. There is a difference between something being fixed and something just not being in your face. There's a difference between something being over and something being out of you. So when we look at this conceptually, oftentimes people say, I've dealt with that, I've dealt with that, I've dealt with that. No, it's just not in your face people say i've I've conquered that i've conquered that i've conquered that well no it's not over it's just out of view so please understand god's not interested in you just pretending like it's not there god is interested in you getting it grabbing it by the neck and saying if what sunday is this if this was fifth sunday i'd say it like this god is interested in you taking the familiar spirit and choking that trick until it has no more energy until it's dead do you understand this which is why one of the Hebrew words for praise means to throttle to throttle means to grab it around the neck and keep it from having any oxygen so this next shout is to throttle your familiar spirits one, two, three that's Bible that's Bible He said, Your praise will. Now, watch this. Now, watch this. Watch this. Be seated. Watch this. I got to get you the practicality. Familiar spirits are faced, throttled, killed, destroyed in two ways. You ready? First, pray it down, then change it up. All right? Say, pray it down, change it up. Because here's what a lot of Christian folk do. A lot of Christian folk, I prayed about that. You ain't changed nothing, though. Got it? That's like praying to eat and not getting in the car to go drive and get something. You understand? You can sit there and, and fantasize about food all day long. But until you get into your automobile, drive to the local food mart, and avail yourself to some vittles, you're not going to consume any mass quantities. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Now, say, pray it, pray it down, change it up. Change it up. All right, so I, I had this visualization. Now, this is very, um, very simple, and, I, and, I, and I, took, I put a lot of water in this to get it palatable for Denver, okay? <laughs> okay, 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 so, okay. All right, now say, pray it down, pray it down. Change, it change it up. Do the hand motion with me. Pray it down, change, change it, it up. up. Now, be a good church. Now, some of y'all come from churches where they don't like the pastor. People at Harvest like their pastor. And, pa- and Harvest pastor like them. So when I say do the hand movements, I mean do the hand movements. Do it with me. Pray it down. Change it up. Nope. Nope. <laughs> That's coming out on a new album. Little Bishop and them coming out. <laughs> now, now, say pray it down change it up. Here's why I wanted you to do that. And so this week you had a visualization to remind yourself of what you're going to do. Got it? So when all of a sudden you see curses and familiar spirits start popping up, you're going be like, wait a minute. Y'all not with me. All of a sudden when uh, uh, you think you're not good enough and you think you don't have what it takes and, and, and you're having self-sabotaging and self-destructive thoughts, you'll remind yourself now watch this listen where you get that from I'm glad you asked me that's a wonderful question James chapter 2 verse 14 Now, because I need you to get this because you you, you can't just say Jesus do it you're going to have to do something too many people don't have the capacity to change it's because they don't have the commitment to change but they don't have the commitment to change because all they want to do is be spiritual and not practical got it I don't care if you're in the presence of the Lord for 10 hours you're going to have to get up and do something you yeah, have people talk to you and, and, and they talk to you. You'd be like, they'd be like I, was just, I was just caught up in the spirit and I was just praying for five hours. And I said, Your attitude still sucks? How were you in the presence of God and your attitude didn't get changed? You weren't in the presence of God, your house was just cold. And goosebumps you felt were temperature changes. Let me show you. James chapter 2, verse 14. This is what James says. Watch what he says. What does it profit, my brethren, if somebody says he has faith, but he doesn't have works? He has prayer, but he doesn't have change. Got it? Can faith save him? Verse 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and somebody says to them, depart and be in peace, be warmed and be filled but you don't give them the things they need for the body, what does it profit? Look what he said. Look look at the verse. He says, if your brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and you say, go in the shalom of God and the Lord will provide food for you. I'm going to need a sandwich. Not prayer. You're not hearing what I'm saying. So God says, it ain't enough to just, but you got to, it ain't enough to just pray it down. You're going to have to. Look, look, verse 16. And if one of you says to them, depart in peace, be born to filled, but don't give them the things which they need for the body, what is your proper? Verse 17. That's also faith by itself. If it doesn't have works, it's dead. But somebody will say, I have faith. And another will say, I have works. He says, show me your faith without your works. But watch what he says. I'm going to show you my faith by my works. He says, so you're showing me your faith by talking. I'm showing you my faith by walking. Watch. uh, Verse 19. And you believe there's one God. Great. Even the demons do that and they scared them. They fear God. In essence, he was making an indictment on them on the coup. He was side checking them and they didn't even know they were being checked. He was saying the demons fear God. You know him and you still act like you don't Verse 20, but you do you not know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead. Foolish uh, in the Greek and the Hebrew, it means one that lives like there is no God, which means you could be a Christian and still be a fool because you live as if there is no God. Was not Abraham my father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect or whole? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness, and he called the friend of God. Uh, uh, verse 24, so then you see, that a man is justified by what works and not by faith only did you get that now watch this i read this many verses because i wanted you to see what happened for our our, our old girl from earlier verse 25 likewise was not rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way which means it don't matter how you start it don't matter where you've been i'm gonna tell you god can take anybody And turn him into a somebody. You ought to high five your neighbor and say, yes, he will. Verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so then faith without works is dead also. Look at this. There are many familiar spirits, but I want to teach you four. I may be able to get to one more than that. That are the most destructive because they carry the most severe penalties and they get you to self-sabotage. Now, it's important to remember that while Jesus paid the price for sin and he forgives us for sin, there's still consequences from actions. Remember, we looked at that from Numbers 14, 18. Somebody says, well, Bishop, you have any more recent examples? Sure, it's real simple. If you go out in speed and get caught because you're an aggressive driver, which, by the way, let me just say this, Christian people. I was thinking about this this morning when I was driving in because there were some Christians that were driving like driving slow makes you a Christian. And I just want to be clear, that doesn't make you any more Christian. Jesus says the kingdom suffers violence and violent men take it by force. So just because you want to sit up like you driving Miss Daisy and you got a carton of eggs in the back and you ain't got nowhere to go, that doesn't make you more spiritual than those of us that take full advantage of the law. Somebody looked over at me like, he's driving so aggressive. Yes, I am, because the paper, the, the, the sign there says, I got more I can do. And just because you want to sit back and be average, I want to be excellent. And <laughs> excellence means I'm going to Y'all not saying nothing Now, some of this is facetiousness, and some of this is the straight-up truth. And I ain't telling you which parts are which, but just... All right, you ready? Okay. These are familiar spirits. These are the most dangerous because they have the most severe penalty and the most self-destructive and they get you to self-sabotage. Number one, dishonoring and resisting spiritual authority. All right. Dishonoring and resisting spiritual authority. It's automatic sentence according to Romans 13 is judgment. Judgment is correction by force. Got it? Judgment is when God says, okay, you ain't going to listen? All right. I'm going to correct you by force. Got it? which means I'm not going to give you time to correct. I'm going to allow there to be a certain set of circumstances that will make you correct. Now, watch this. Uh, touch your neighbor say, listen to this. It's a lot of folk that Christians, one day, I don't know what I'm going to do. One day, it's a lot of folk that Christians have condemned to hell that the Bible doesn't condemn to hell. The scripture, say, the scripture says this. The scripture says that, that the lake of fire is reserved for Satan and his angels. Now, get through the scriptures, Romans 13, 2, and then we're going to keep it moving. Romans 13, 2. Therefore, whoever resists the what? Come on, talk. Resists the what? Now, you keep reading. See, it's automatic, which means heaven doesn't get involved. It's automatic. You ever had had something back a long time ago, back a long time ago, uh, and you didn't pay it? and uh, it was automatically cut off and you called them and, and they said, well, the system did it. We can't control that. We have to. You, you ever had, uh, back a long time ago, not recent. Like 80s, we're talking about a long time ago. You, you understand what I'm saying? Way back there. You understand what I'm saying? All right, all right. Way back. That's what you say. Way back there. Yeah. The reason this is a dangerous, familiar spirit is because notice, uh, watch this, when kids are like that, normally you can see it in their mama nail. And then if you look at nim, you can normally see it in nim. But then watch this, they normally have friends that are the same way. Because it's a familiar spirit. It comes from an ascendant who's before them and associations who's around them. Are you hear what I'm saying? I'm almost out of time, but I gotta get these to you. Are you still here? Now, check this out. Its automatic sentence is judgment, which is correction by force. Now, Revelation 20.10 says that Satan's gonna be cast into the lake of fire. Say he's going to hell. You see this? The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of what? Fire and brimstone, where the priests and the false prophet were, and they're going to be tormented day and night forever and ever. He didn't go to hell. Watch this. Watch this. I'm going to set some stuff on fire. Oh, this ain't good paper. Hold on. We should have put a little lighter fluid on it. But then we're going to put it closer to the people to <laughs> Okay, so you catch the point. He's going to hell. Now watch this. (laughs) Doesn't even going to be hot. Watch this. He's not going for cussing, lying, smoking, drinking. Now you shouldn't do those things, but that ain't why he's going. He's going because he resisted and dishonored spiritual authority. Looks hot to me. Check this out. Now. At 1115 I'll dive and teach you more about the actual reason because people say well Satan wanted to be like God that's not true it's not in the text Satan's issue real quick can I get a quick version his issue was that when God made sons us we were created after them Satan then looked at us and said I'm not going to listen to them when I was created before them Satan is not an enemy to God he doesn't like you he doesn't like you because you are a son and the most he'll ever be able to be is a servant that's why he doesn't like mankind because mankind got what he couldn't get in other words here's what he said I was here first why do I have to listen to him alright but, but, but I don't have time to get into that in, into great detail amen now, now, now watch, this. watch this. He resisted authority, Revelation says. He resisted authority. God says, no, you're going to, you're going to Adam is the son now. Adam is the son now. Doesn't anybody say, Adam is the son? Yes. He said, Adam is the son now, and you're going to listen to Adam. And, 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 and the adversary said, no. Why should I have to listen to him when I've been here since the church started? Ooh, got quiet right there I started serving before so and so did why should I have to listen to them and God said I tell you what you're going to hell for that Satan didn't cuss he didn't drink I'm not saying you should do either one y'all not saying nothing to me the reason he's being cast into the lake of fire is because he looked at authority and said no that's a familiar spirit I knew it would get quiet right there cause here's what you try to say I'm just a strong woman no maybe you're an out of order one I'm just my own man no maybe you're just an out of order one and if God sent Satan is, if, if Satan's gonna be cast into the lake of fire for that I'm just saying. I-J-S-O-M-G. Number two, pride. i got to move through these fast. Number two, pride. Pride. Pride always paralyzes your progress. Pride says, I'm better than X because of Y. Got it? Now, this can be very difficult. Let me, let me, let me make sure you understand this. Pride, the scripture says that the sentence for pride is that pride comes before fall. That word fall in Hebrew means destruction. It means calamity. Unnecessary. Pride. Pride. So here's what pride says. I may do that, but at least I'm not that. So what happens is pride has an go put the verse back up one more time. Thank you. Gracias. Watch this. It, it has an automatic sentence. Uh what do they call them in the government? Like minimum, mandatory, mandatory, minimum. The mandatory minimum sentence for pride is a fall. There has to be destruction. Got it? So pride says, I'm not saying I'm sorry. You say I'm sorry first. I'll apologize when you apologize. So now you've, now there's a mandatory minimum sentence of destruction. And that's a familiar spirit. Because notice, if you if you see one prideful person, look around them. Normally, that's what they got around them. And all of them sitting up just as pompous as they want to be sitting up. Having their little cheese sandwich. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Got it? Pride says, watch this, I could fix it, but I'm not going to fix it. Because I'm beyond that. I'm, I'm too mature for that. Pride is a familiar spirit, and it has an audit- automatic uh, sentence. And pride always paralyzes your progress. Number three, the slave mentality. The slave mentality is such to where you defeat yourself so you don't need an enemy because you have the enemy. Now, remember in Revelation, the scripture, says, the scripture says in Revelation that Satan has come down to earth, uh, and he's got great wrath. Wrath is hot anger. He has hot anger, the Scripture says, because he has a small amount of time to get Adam to screw everything up. Are you still with me? All right, now watch this. Here's what's important to understand. If you think like a slave, you don't actually need a master. Got it? You hit a dog because the dog acts crazy. The dog will... You hit the dog again because he acts crazy. Then it gets to the point where you don't have to hit the dog no more. The dog will just bow out on its own. Okay, got it. So the slave mentality thinks like a crab in the bucket. Its only problem is with people who are getting out the bucket. A slave mentality has practiced prejudice. You're against this, you're against that, you're against that. But the reality is, is you're scared of you. A slave mentality has a poverty mindset. A poverty mindset says, what I've reached is the highest level I can go, which means you could be a millionaire but still be in poverty because poverty is a mindset that says it can't get any better some of y'all right now in life you're like it can't get no better than this and God is like are you serious? I died for that watch this a poverty, a slave mentality slaves sing the same old song woe is be life is so rough for me all my life well who hasn't? why are you announcing stuff? we know touch your neighbors. I had to fight too say but I kept fighting and I won I ain't gonna get nobody saying that I got two witnesses here just your neighbor say so you better keep fighting until you win now look at this look at this look at this slaves didn't say woe is me the man is against me what man get rich so you can shut the man up That's how you shut him down. You have more money than him. Woe is me. My life. Story of my life. Slave. Slave slave has low self-esteem that's a low self-image a slave sees themselves less than what god made them to be slaves are stiff-necked that means they're stubborn it means they don't change easily they're not pliable they they get rigid and they're wrong but they stay rigid even though they're wrong the hebrews spent 430 years enslaved in egypt and they came out overnight but egypt was still in them Slave mentality. Slaves don't give, but want to reap. Slaves don't serve, but want to surge. Slaves fight their emancipator when they should embrace him. Slaves complain about what they could change. Slaves slaves want to live like nobody else, and yet they won't live like anybody else. Slaves want bigger, but they don't want to strive to get better. But you. Just your neighbor say, I'm free of the slave mentality. No, I don't believe you. Touch somebody else say, I'm free of the slave mentality. Now, num- number four, number four, number four. I'm, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get five. I had a fifth bonus one on here, and I'm going to get to it. Number four. I hit this on Wednesday, and the Lord wanted me to do this on Wednesday, and I didn't under, uh, understand why because it was just going to be a night of prayer. But He said, Son, I need you to, to deal with this thing of miscarrying. Now, now watch this. In Hosea 9:14, 14, you, you should get Wednesday's, uh, uh, Wednesday's message No More Miscarries. You should get it because really it was just supposed to be an introduction to prayer, but the Lord turned it into a whole message but here's what i need you to understand in hosea chapter 9 and verse 1 the lord makes an indictment against the people his indictment against the people is that the people kept getting distracted and because they kept getting distracted the scripture uses this term he says they played the harlot say they played the harlot now watch this when they played the harlot what happens is in Hosea 9:14 the scripture says that the penalty for them keep getting distracted was that they were going to have a miscarrying womb and they were going to have dry breasts in other words a miscarried means that you can't bring something to completion you don't have the commitment to complete you start lots of things you finish no things got it but then he said you'd have dry breasts dry breasts mean watch this and we got into this on wednesday because nobody likes a dry chicken breast got it nobody likes a dry chicken breast i don't i don't you're gonna need to go put some juice on that some sauce, something give me some ranch let me put it in some ranch give me some honey mustard or something but this, this is too dry now watch this. watch this. Watch this. Watch this. I didn't get to use my cuff. Slave mentality. Watch this. I'm trying to move quick. Watch this. Here's, here's a miscarrying spirit. Y'all ready? I got my good Wolfgang Puck stuff. Good high-end stuff. You notice it still look new because I don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> so it still, that's why it still look new. I haven't had it for years, but it looked new. Here's a miscarrying spirit. Here's a miscarrying spirit. Here's a Miss King spirit. I'm doing good. Surge, surge. Ooh, command my ear. Oh, Mississippi, Mississippi, Subaru Hundred, Super, 100. Super 100. Yeah. Distraction. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Distracted. Distracted. Oh, here go this. Distracted. Here go the passion. I'm distracted. Here go this. Now I'm distracted. Here go this. I'm distracted and now I'm miscarried. It was almost ready to give birth. But now I'm miscarried because I get distracted. And when I get distracted, I get unfocused. And when I get unfocused, what was ready to be birthed for me is now miscarried. But that's over in your life. Now, miscarrying means you're distracted so you have the inability to complete anything well. Now check this out, please understand. Uh, uh, often people are miscarried because they get offended. They're distracted. They have bad influences around them. A bad influence is anything that pulls you away from God or church. Got this? Now, you got to get Wednesday's teaching because you got to stop miscarrying. Say no more miscarries. All right, I'll give you the bonus one real quick. All right, real quick. Number five, here's the most most dangerous. The reason miscarries are there because notice how the egg is broken. See that? So listen, the devil didn't have to get involved. You broke the egg. Its automatic sentence is this. Got it? Okay. Slave mentality, the reason that's so dangerous because it's automatic sentence is you don't even need no master. You'll talk yourself out of stuff. I just can't do that. I just can't go over there, master, say. And God's sitting up talking to you kind of strong, like, are you there? Oh, let me be clear. Slave mentality ain't a black thing. Ain't no white thing. That's a human thing. Just so we're clear, because slavery has existed throughout the millennia. It's existed, quite frankly, since the beginning of time. In fact, uh, slavery has been so prevalent that the absence of it for a brief period of time was very peculiar. Because slavery now is even more prevalent today than it was in the days that we often think of. Because... Now, here's the fifth one, and i got to finish. Destructive declarations. You ever notice a a kid who talked crazy, go find their mom or daddy, or their uncle or aunt or whoever, and just put a recorder around them for about five minutes, and you'll discover that those destructive declarations came from somewhere. Now, check this out. Here it is. Scripture says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death there are the Hebrew words for the blessing and the curse. The blessing and the curse are in the power of your tongue, your declarations. Hebrew says that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Are you still with me? Jesus said you're going to give an account for every idle word or declaration that you speak. So check out why this is a dangerous familiar spirit. This is a dangerous familiar spirit because watch this. In Revelation 12, it says Satan has come down with great wrath because he has a short time. So check this out. If he can't get you to believe what he says about you, but you will declare negativity about yourself. The automatic sentence for that is that you're going to have what you said you're going to have. Did you catch that? Life and death, verse, Proverbs 18, 21, or 18, uh, 12, Proverbs, where we at? Proverbs, come on, Proverbs 18, 21, here it is. Death and life are in the power of your what? Your declaration. You are experiencing today what you have declared. Your life is the way it is because of what you've declared. Got it? And the reason this is such a dangerous, familiar spirit is because, watch this, when you're around it, you don't even think anything's wrong with it. You ever been taught, I've taught a lot on this before, but but watch this, it's amazing to listen to some of y'all in the hallway. That's what I'm told. It's amazing, watch this, to listen to what some of y'all say. Because I'm like, okay, did they not get that whole series? They didn't listen to all of that. Because when it's a familiar spirit, you'll start making destructive declarations and not even pay attention to it. You'll sit up and get on the phone with a friend and curse your children. Watch this. They are just so crazy. You meant it as a joke. The angels don't know that you meant it as a joke. They didn't hear your intention. They heard your manifestation. You get on the phone with somebody about your spouse. Ooh, I'm just so tired. to Get up my nerves. You meant it as a joke. But the angels, Psalm 103, says that the angels hearken into the voice of his word, which means when you speak, because you're a speaking spirit, the angels don't see any difference between you and God. So when you speak, they think it's him speaking so when you say they get on my last nerve Satan goes in front of God and says God the contract is that when they speak they have to have what they say they said so and so gets on their last nerve therefore so and so must get on their last nerve you'll get on the phone with somebody and you'll start talking about your money Ooh, it's just so tight Ooh, I just wish I had more money Ooh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Ooh, I got to pay this, I got to pay this, I got to pay that. But God is good. Those declarations now have a right to remain in your reality. So what happens is all that negativity that you just spoke, it has a right to remain in your life. Which means, watch this, back to Revelation twelve twelve, It says that Satan has come down and he has what? What does it say, y'all? It's right there on the screen. Now, having great what? Wrath, because he knows he has a what? So if he can get you to destroy your own life with your own words. I says, this? this car always breaks down. You gave it permission to keep breaking down. The doctor said, I have this. You gave yourself permission to have it. That's why you never say, I have this. You say, the doctor says this. I don't own that. That ain't mine. And can I close it right through here? Have you ever got a piece of mail that came to your address, but it didn't have your name on it? Can I close it like this is Harvest Missionary Baptist Church for just a few minutes. Have you ever got a piece of mail where it came to your address, but it didn't have your name on it because it was addressed to somebody that used to live there? You used to be that way. You used to think like that. You used to act like that. But if any man be in Christ... He is a new creation. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Which means the male may have come to my house. But you know what you're going to have to learn how to do? Return to sender. Why? Because I don't have to receive that. I don't have to accept that. You don't have to be discouraged anymore. You don't have to be depressed anymore. Just your neighbor say, Return it to sender. I'm out of time. Not out of teaching, not out of message, but I'm out of time. Doesn't anybody say return to sender? That used to be your mail. Used to be. You used to be negative. You used to have bad attitude. You used to think negative thoughts. You used to think you weren't good enough. You used to think like a slave. You used to think with a poverty mentality, but now when that shows up, you're going to have to return. That ain't my mail. Somebody in overflow needs to hear me. That's not your mail. Matter of fact, you've been opening mail for other people in your family. And here's the problem. When you carry other people's mail, I'm out of time. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that these words would not fall on deaf ears, but that the people of Harvest would be not just hearers, but doers. Those five familiar spirits are the worst because they have the worst consequences. destructive declarations, miscarrying the slave mentality, pride and dishonoring and resisting spiritual authority. I pray that those wouldn't just be words, but I pray that they would spark transformation. If you'll kill those five, the curse won't have anything to live off of anymore. Today, if you're in this worship experience,